Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. I am your host and co-founder, Aaron Brightman, coming to you Thursday morning following another quad one road victory for Rutgers men's basketball, this time at Northwestern, 65-62. Cam Spencer does it again. Wanted to take this episode and basically just ramble through a bunch of kind of topics and thoughts about Rutgers men's basketball that I have. Um, it's going to be totally off the cuff. I do have an outline, but, um, you know, a lot to talk about. And uh, next game being Sunday, we have a little bit of a time here. Um, so let's just jump right into it. Cam Spencer, have to start with him. Uh, clutch uh, shot once again, but just tremendous game overall. Um, you know, Northwestern has struggled closing out on shooters this year. And Cam was just the perfect, um, perfect uh, recipe for disaster for them uh, in terms of his uh, shot release, his ability to um, shoot over the top. And uh, he just was in flow the entire game. Um, I thought maybe he'd have a little bit more motivation uh, facing Northwestern where his brother played for one year. I don't know if that played into it or not. He's just an animal. You know, I mean, his mentality, his mindset, I, I spoke about it in my um, rapid re- reaction video last night. The, what his mindset and mentality has done for this team in terms of, I don't want to say transform, but um, elevate the competitiveness and the uh, um, just relentlessness of this team. Uh, I don't think you can quantify it. You know, he is that type of guy that, I mean, one mistake, you know, if he, if he, if he made – Cam Spencer's type of player, if he went 9 of 10 from the field, he would obsess over the one miss. That's the type of player he is. He's in the gym all the time. Uh, he just wants to win. You know, he that's all he wants to do. And um, he was gracious last night uh, in the media call, you know, constantly crediting his teammates and coaches for all his success. And, um, you know, not really a surprise just in how he's uh, handled himself since arriving. And, um, you know, his impact is just growing by leaps and bounds by the game. Um, His uh, recent run has been impressive, uh, just not only in terms of, uh, you know, the game-winning shots, but overall, I mean, he's now in Big Ten play uh, for the last uh, five – well, his last five – excuse me, his last four um, Big Ten games, he's uh, scored uh, a minimum of 13, and – he let's see. He had 14 at Purdue, 13 against Maryland, 13 against Iowa, 23 last night. His plus minus against uh, Iowa that I mentioned previously was plus two. The rest of the team was uh, when he was out of the game against Iowa minus 13. Last night he was plus nine um, in the game, best on the team as well. Uh, and he's just uh, and actually Ohio State he scored 11 as well. So in six Big Ten games he scored. Double figures in the last five. Uh, he is three-point-wise now shooting 48%. So this was uh, obviously notable in terms of his uh, current standing. Obviously a long way to go uh, this season. Um, but in terms of how he's shooting, he is uh, on record pace. So he is currently on pace to break both the single season program record in three point shooting percentage and free throw shooting percentage. He's shooting 48.2% from three point range. He's made 40 of 83 attempts. Tom Savage back in the late eighties has the record at 47.4. 
Savage was a great player, by the way. Uh, can see him in uniform now playing at the Palestra during the Atlanta 10 tournament. Uh, and then free throw wise, 35 of 36, 97.2 uh, from the line. The record holder is Steve Kaplan from the 1969-1970 season, 92.7 minimum of 75 attempts needed. Uh, Cam's gonna, you know, he's he's averaging about two a game, which you know would be borderline. But um, at any rate, even if he doesn't accomplish either, I mean, he is shooting at such a high rate. He is such an efficient player. He's currently he's got the 30th best offensive rating in the country per Ken Palm. Uh, he's got uh, off the charts offensive rating of 129.8. Uh, so he's 30th nationally in offensive rating. Uh, he is uh, third in the country at free throw percentage, 27th in three point, 20th in steal rate. He is uh, let's see. Uh, 91st in effective field goal percentage, which if you don't know, effective field goal percentage uh, basically uh, weights three-pointers and two-pointers together. So 60.6 is extremely high. Uh, He's just, uh, you know, and and like I said, his mentality, his offensive uh, game, you know, he's averaging right now statistically, uh, he is uh, now leading the team in scoring. Uh, at 13.5 points per game, but he does it all. He's averaging 3.6 assists, 2.6 boards, 2.5 steals, uh, and he's shooting 48% overall from the floor. He's actually not nearly shooting as well from two-point range, believe it or not. But um, he just brings so much to this team, and again, it goes back to his mentality, uh, and he's been just an amazing addition. I mean, you can call him now. He's the best transfer addition in the Big Ten. Uh, I know people were questioning him early in the year, I really thought, you know, it was part of this team gelling. I think the injuries with Mulcahy and McConnell kind of delayed that a little bit. But you're seeing the full potential here. He's got a whole other year of eligibility after this season. Um, Cam Spencer just brings this team to another level. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago people were wondering who was going to close out games with that, that, you know, take the shot with the game on the line. Well, he's done it two road games in a row. Uh, and it's his fearlessness. You know, he's got such a natural, smooth stroke. Um, there's really no signs of slowing down and his confidence is just going to grow. And this team's confidence in him is going to grow. And, uh, it's just super, super exciting. Uh, wanted to touch on a couple other players. Andre Hyatt, uh, thought he was just huge off the bench last night. Once again, um, you know, hit two threes, scored 10 points. He, he, uh, that last defensive stand, uh, was credited with a steal, uh, got kind of in, in a scrum, uh, which caused the jump ball, um, but real great awareness from him in that situation. He had a couple big shots down the stretch. You know, he's another guy that his mentality, you know, his toughness, but also his fearlessness, you know, he, he's not nearly as efficient as Cam, but he's not afraid to step up in big moments. He's done it before. And um, I just thought that, you know, with Nagin foul trouble last night, Hyatt really stepped up and uh, he brings them the uh, toughness on both ends of the floor. Uh, he's, 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 um, He's not easily movable, <laughs> you know. He's he's uh, he, he's low to the ground, uh, and and he's just he's really strong, and um, I just think that he brings an edge to this team that's sorely needed, um, and he has embraced his role, his attitude, his improvement from last year. I mean, last year a big problem, and we saw it at the end of the season was there wasn't any bench production, and it cost Rutgers at the end of the season, and. Hyatt, by accepting his role, being the sixth man, 
has embraced it. And he's actually third on the team in scoring right now. He's 10.1 points per game, and he's averaging 4.5 boards. So, you know, he's he's shooting a a capable 76.3 from the line. He's only shooting 40% from the field, 32% from three. Not terrible, not great. But, again, he kind of is, you know, he's he's not going to be the most accurate shooter, but he's going to give you all he has, and he's going to make big shots along the way. So um, I think his contributions last night were huge. Um, and then you talk about just, you know, the, the, uh, listen, we're talking about those two guys as the standouts when Rutgers just won their second consecutive Big Ten road game, second time ever since joining the league, first time with fans. The last time was two years ago when there were no fans during COVID. Um, and we haven't even talked about Mulcahy, McConnell, or Omori yet. So I think that just speaks to the depth of this team and how this team is developing. Um, you know, Mulcahy, uh, I talked about it in the video, don't want to repeat too much, but, um, you know, was certainly teetering on the brink of, of losing his composure last night, um, but pulled it together. And I, I think part of it is, you know, uh, Cam brings a calmness to this team. But, you know, listen, Mulcahy had a couple shots down the stretch. He hit those two free throws in the final minute. He finished, you know, six assists, six rebounds, 12 um, uh, points uh, in a block and a couple steals. Uh, you know, he, he was engaged. And he's, uh, you know, while he wasn't able to um, uh, dictate things personally offensively as he has in other games, Rutgers assisted on 16 to 23 uh, made field goals. And that is in part a lot to do with him in terms of how he's directing things. And um, you just can't, you know, understate his impact. And even if last night wasn't his best game, you know, he had a major impact on that game. You know, uh, McConnell and Cliff did not score a lot. Um, but listen, defensively, I thought they both were really good. And I, I, I think like, you know, I'm getting comments. I saw some, what's wrong with Caleb this year? Like that's crazy town. Look at this stat line. He's averaging 9.8 points, 5.3 boards, 3.1 assists, 2.3 steals, and close to a block per game. He's shooting 77% from the line, 44% from the field. I mean, he's giving you 10, five, three, and two on top of. Uh, shutting down or and and taking on the best player on the other team, uh, you know he covered Chase Audage at times last night, and you know Audage did not have a big game at all. Uh, he really kept him in check, and I just think that McConnell's instincts and I think his leadership, you know, we're, we're, he's not as vocal or obvious as Mulcahy, but I think his leadership is is definitely making a big impact on this team too, um, and it just leads to the experience of this team. And then you have Cliff, you know, listen, he's not. Uh, doing much offensively the last three games. Uh, he's getting doubled. He's having trouble, you know, getting comfortable when he gets the ball. I think he's rushing it. He's he's not comfortable. Uh, you know, they're not seeming to be able to get many lobs to him like in the past with alley-oops, um, running him off screens as much. Uh, I, yeah, it's, it's a concern. But at the same time, I just – I love his attitude. I love his energy. You know, he's engaged defensively. He's engaged on the boards. He's still averaging 13 and 10 a game with uh, two blocks a game uh, and even averaging over an assist. He had three assists last night, you know. So he 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 is unselfish, and that's huge. I, I, I think that the chemistry of this team just cannot be overstated Uh how important it is to the overall mojo of this team and why they're succeeding, um, you know, in tough spots, they're overcoming adversity. Uh, I mean, last night's run was ferocious. They were, you know, 
uh, controlling the game uh, pretty much the entire way, a 52 to 43, give up a 19 to six run, and they're down 62 to 58 with a, just over a minute to play. I mean, that's that's lights out. Uh, that they're not going to recover from that, and they did, <laughs> they did, and uh, you know, yes, they've had success against Northwestern. Now five of six they've won. Uh, I believe it's three of four in their last trips to, to uh, Walsh Ryan Arena in Northwestern. Um, one of the few places they've been traditionally successful in. Uh, and that's another thing to just uh, mention. So, you know, Rutgers was 10 and 58 in Big Ten road games since joining the conference up until middle of last year. And since midway last season, they're six and five. They're six and five after starting 10 and 58. So I wrote about it a little bit, I believe this morning. Um, everything's blending together right now. Two hours sleep, uh, back to work in the city. Um, this is a, a, a big step for the program, obviously, but this is, this is the type of development that raises the ceiling of the program and this team. When you can establish yourselves as a as a, a a winning road team, when you have a home court advantage like the rack, that's that's jumping up into uh, top tier of the Big Ten. They're not there yet. They have to prove they can continue to protect the rack. Obviously, the loss on Sunday against Iowa, I don't think it, you know, should question that. But they, you know, they have to prove it. They have to continue to win at home. Sunday is a huge test for the Ohio State. Not a gimme whatsoever. Um, but listen, if you can go eight and two at home in Big Ten play, and you can, you know, when I mean, they, listen, they, I, I don't even say they go four and six. They went four and six the last two years on the road. People forget. Um, but if they go five and five or better on the road, just say five and five and eight and two or nine and one at home. I mean, that's 13, 14 regular season wins. That's a top four finish, no doubt. And who knows with parity? I mean, you know, it's not going to be enough to win the league, but they could finish two or three potentially. And then, you know, listen, it's, uh, it just raises the ceiling uh, for this season and for this program overall. Uh, and it's just been great to see. And, you know, I talked about last night, obviously the toughness of this team, we've talked about a lot, but it's the execution. It's learning how to fight through adversity on the road and still be able to execute with the game on the line. And that's what happened last night. The officiating was maddening. Uh, and and honestly, I, I don't want to say it's maddening in the sense of certain calls. It's just you're never going to be happy with every call when it comes to officiating. But you all you ask for is consistency. Is You need the game called in a consistent manner. And that didn't happen last night. The first half, you know, the whistle was tucked away. And then it came out full force in the second half. Uh, I mean, there was a big discrepancy of fouls at one point. It kind of, you know, I won't say even out, but it got closer um, with Rutgers, uh, you know, finally getting into the bonus at the very, very, very end. Uh, you know, Northwestern got into the bonus with 12-plus minutes left in the game. Uh, you know, uh, fortunately, Nicholson was fouled a lot. He was one of six from the line. The rest of the team was nine of 12. But only 18 trips to the foul line is, is, was low for, for uh, Northwestern. They have a, you know, they, they came into the game – having attempted 17 more free throws than anyone else in the Big Ten. So, you know, Rutgers went 8 of 10. They're now shooting 80% from the line over the last eight games. They're shooting, um, 
you know, for the season now, uh, right in front of me, they're shooting 74%. They've never shot above 70% in the Pikele area era. The last time they shot over 70% was the 2008-2009 season. And I wrote about it this week. The last time they shot, you know, 74% was the 1971-1972 season. I mean, that's 51 years. That's not a, I mean, a part, uh, honestly, partly it's, I mean, that's really bad uh, as a program. <laughs> but that just speaks to just how far this program has come under Steve Peichel and, and, and how, you know, winning on the road, making free throws, it's correlated, but it's two major steps for, step forward for a team that, you know, is also playing the best defense, you know, that they have under Peichel. Um that is, a, that is a really tough combination. And then you sprinkle in the threes last night. I mean, Cam went six to seven. But the rest of the team went um, five of 11. You know, you had uh, Andre Hyatt and uh, Paul Mulcahy both hit two. Mag hit one. But I, I, I think the argument is, you know, it's Cam is the lead from behind the arc. But if Mulcahy and Andre Hyatt. You know, if they can eat, each hit one to two a game and shoot a relatively decent percentage, but Hyatt's at 32, Mulcahy's back up to 41 now. You know, you might forget two years ago, he shot 39% from three, and it was the highest percentage uh, since Omari Ray Greer, the transfer, and the Eddie Jordan days. Uh, so, you know, he can shoot from three. He's got to shoot more. Uh, he's too low of a volume. So, you know, if, you, if those three guys can, you know, get you six to seven threes a game, if they can shoot 75 to 80% from the foul line, you know, and they play elite level of defense, that's, that's, they got something going there. They got something going and uh, it's an exciting prospect. Uh, and I know I'm bouncing around here. Uh, let's see. Let's get my bearings a little bit. We talked about the road. Um, let's talk about also uh, in terms of analytics, where this team is right now. So, in the standings, they're four and two in Big Ten play. They're half a game behind uh, first place. Uh, it's early, but that's why wins like last night. You know, you're keeping pace. You're keeping pace. You're, you're creating distance from that 500 record that you want to avoid and stay above the whole the whole way. So um, now in net, you know they are uh, 18th. Um, they were 21st going into the game, so they earned their second quad one road victory in beating Northwestern. They lost what would have been their, their third quad one victory with Indiana falling off the map, a 19 point loss to Penn State. They're now one of four in the conference. They do have injuries, race Thompson, Xavier Johnson, uh, two key players, but they're falling off a cliff. And uh, so that win at home in December goes from a quad one to a quad two. Yes. It's fluid throughout the season. So however wins are classified now, there's a framework for what the wins are, you know, in terms of quad one, quad two, and it changes versus home, road, neutral, in terms of what's ranking. You know, last night was a quad one road game for Rutgers. When they host Northwestern, it'll be a quad two game. Uh, so two and two against quad one opponents, two and two against quad two opponents, Two and one against quad three and six and zero against quad four. So they, they only have one bad loss in the net, and that's the Temple game. Uh, and they were missing their two starters. Then is that going to be factored in? Is the Ohio State, you know, uh, controversial loss factored in with the selection committee? Who knows? 
Honestly, at this point, I don't think it really is going to matter if they continue on this pace. If Rutgers can continue, you know, listen, if they can win 12, 13, 14 Big Ten games, they're, you know, they're, they're going to be on the, the right side. It's not just going to be in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they're going to be a 5, 6, 7 seed probably, uh, depending. Um, who knows? Who knows? I, I, I wouldn't say better at this point, but um, – you know, that's where they're trying. I've seen, I've seen bracketology this week. They're seated uh, seventh. I saw one today, sixth. So they're, they're in that neighborhood. I'd say five to seven right now, basically. Uh, they're also number 16 in Ken Palm. Uh, they're still third def- uh, defensive efficiency. Uh, so this team is um, analytically in great shape, metrics-wise great shape. Uh, they just have to keep winning. You know, this is a tough, tough conference and tough, tough schedule. And... Uh, now you have Ohio State. Ohio State comes to the rack on Sunday at 2.15. Uh, I know people that are Giants fans are looking forward to the playoff game at 4.30. You get Rutgers at 2.15. Uh, whether Zed key plays or not, don't know yet. Uh, but Ohio State, you know, um, is uh, they're actually ahead of Rutgers in the net. They're ranked 14th. Uh, and they are uh, 10th in Ken Palm. Uh, they are projected, Rutgers is projected to win per Ken Palm, 68, 66, 59% chance to win. Uh, it really is a huge, 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 huge home game. Uh, obviously you want payback, uh, but to earn another quad one victory, to get two in one week, uh, to get that payback. Um, but also listen, Ohio state is, is one of the best teams in the big 10 to get a win over them. You know, just look at long-term purposes. I mean, you have, you own the tiebreaker over Purdue. You could own the tiebreaker over Ohio State, you know. So those would be nice things to have in your back pocket that Rutgers could accomplish uh, by winning on um, Saturday. And, you know, one thing I wanted to kind of touch on, uh, and I think I'll probably end with, is a hypothetical in the sense of, you know, and, and, and the fans that are tweeting, like, you know, Rutgers is 3-0 and Big Ten play, or 3-0 and on the road in Big Ten play, counting Ohio State as a win, I'm sorry, it's not a win. Should that have game-winning shot by Ohio State counted? No. You know, would Ohio State still would have won with 0.5 seconds left on the clock? Probably not. Should the win, should it count as a win for Rutgers? No, you can't do it that way. You just can't. That's not the way sports work. You know, it stinks. But the flip side view of that situation for me is, is well, there's definitely value. There's definitely value in how that turned out, you know, it hurt them in the Seton Hall game. That's, you know, a tough loss to swallow. Always will be. Um, my kind of hypothetical I'm posing is, is the pain and the, the frustration of the, the loss to Ohio State followed by Seton Hall, does that outweigh the value of what I think this has brought to the team since, which is an edge which is motivation. Not that they weren't playing hard and didn't have a motivation beforehand, but I think this has lit the team's hair on fire a little bit. I think, you know, Steve Peichel, he is the master motivator in terms of getting his team's uh, team to understand the circumstances of their backs against the wall. We've seen it time and time again, season after season, going down to the final week, needing to win a game or two, to make the NCAA tournament, and they do, and they come through, and have come through every season. 
uh, in that type of circumstance the last three, you know, is this a case of, you know, it almost helping uh, to refresh that messaging and get this team to unify even more and to play with, you know, I don't want to say play with hostility, but play with an edge, you know, uh, even more so. I think every there's a cyclical effect of every outcome. And, you know, it's hard to say what would happen. If they, if they would have won Ohio State, would they have won at Purdue? I don't know. You, you like to think that. But did losing at Ohio State the way they did and then, you know, lay, uh, having their worst performance against Seton Hall, did that improve this team from when that happened to now? I think yes. I think it has. So looking at it from that perspective, yeah, I'm okay with what happened. You know, obviously it stinks. There is no perfect season. There is no season that goes the way you want it to go A to Z. It doesn't exist. And for it to happen earlier in the season, you know, and it all was happening while it happened during a transformational time for this team as they were – learning how to play with each other as McConnell and Mulcahy were getting healthy. Um, This team was kind of evolving. And to suffer those losses during that process, I I think there's real value to that happening when it happened. I think the timing of it actually long-term is a real benefit. And obviously we want to see them pay it back uh, Sunday against Ohio State. Uh, they've proven that they can play with them, if not even outplay them, uh, which they did a good portion of that game. Uh, I, th- I think the the biggest thing with this team is their mindset. You know, uh, it's not just in terms of having the edge and motivation, but also you know, like Paul Mulcahy, he, uh, he's been outstanding this season in terms of leading and keeping cool. He was certainly uh, tested last night. You know, I think it goes back to the officiating and um, uh, it was uh, it, they were all getting frustrated, you know, so they they, they can't. Their toughness was on display and that, you know, was getting to them, but they overcame. it. And I think as they even progress further and can learn that they hey, like if this team can learn that this is and I know Pico preaches this, you know, talks about obstacles to overcome all the time, but. It's going to happen. You're going to have moments where you're, you know, in, in your mind, you're getting mistreated, you know, uh, complaining about it, letting it negatively affect you is not the right way to handle it. Uh, this team is tougher than most. Uh, they're executing. They've learned how to execute at a high level. They're deep. They're versatile. They're matchup nightmares in certain spots. Uh, this team is going to be hard to beat. And if they can keep their wits about them, I think they can go really far. And I just thought that that was interesting to look back on with Ohio State now coming on Sunday. Um, You know, I'm not saying if I had a choice, would I say, yeah, lose the game the way they did so this scenario could happen. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it happened. And looking back on what happened, rather than try to reverse history and say, oh, well, they really beat Ohio State. No, they didn't. You know, they, 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 it was a bad circumstance. We all deal with it in life. You know, you can't go back and change the clock, turn turn the clock back. But what you can do is learn from it and benefit from it. And that's what this team is doing. They're prospering. It's a veteran team. It's an experienced team. And yet it's a still very hungry team. 
uh, and they have a lot of potential. And I think they, they have not they have not reached their peak yet. Um, you know, offensively, they're not there yet. I mean, look at they're they're right now 101st in offensive efficiency. They're third nationally in defense. But look at the Big Ten rankings in Big Ten play. So through six games for Rutgers, they're 10th in offensive efficiency, and they're only third in defensive efficiency. So they haven't even played their best, and they're four and two. You have a huge opportunity on Sunday. Ohio State comes to town. I'm really excited to see this team, what they can do. Uh, and then, you know, the schedule continues to ramp up. Then you're at Michigan State. Then you're home against Penn State. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Penn State's looking really good. Michigan State's looking really good. Uh, you have to win every game you can. You know, next thing you know, you're in a four-game losing streak. So this team is just continuing to impress Last night was just, uh, you know, to weather that run and to come out on the other side uh, and to do it on the road, to do it with threes, to do it with, um, you know, the way they did it with Spencer. It's um, really satisfying. And as Rutgers fans, I hope you're all enjoying it. I am. Thank you for listening to me once again. And go to thescarletfaithful.com for all my continued coverage. I'm going to have several more articles coming up. Uh, and uh, some football coverage as well. Plenty to talk about and appreciate your time once again here at The Scarlet Faithful.